Today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen and amen. So prayer. What can I even begin to say? Church, I'll, I'll confess to you that, that where I'm at in my life, I, I, I feel like I should be in a deeper mode and awareness and experience of prayer than what I am. I, I became a Christian at 18. That was two years ago. <laughs> that was actually 25 years ago. You can do the math. But here's what I'd say. Of all those 25 years, I, I feel like I'm just at the very beginning of scratching the surface, surface of what God can do in our life, in my family's life, through prayer. And as a church, we are going to press into prayer over these next few weeks. This campaign is going to run from now until Thanksgiving Eve. We're going to have a special Thanksgiving Eve service, a couple of them, as we cap off this campaign and look back and see what God's done during this time. But here's the thing. If you want to see God do something great like I do, then it's going to take all of us pressing into prayer together. I know that for a church like Peace, where we have such reformed roots, there's so much strength that comes with that because of our clarity of doctrine. And there's clarity of what we believe but I also know that in the, in the Reformed tradition, a, a zealousy for prayer, having a strong zeal for prayer, isn't super common. Now, I will say there are, there are warriors armed to the teeth in this, in this church, warriors for prayer. But I think there's a lot and maybe more who aren't. And this series is about equipping us all to go deeper into prayer so that we can have a greater awareness of God in our lives and deepen our relationship with one another. In this campaign, we're going to dive deep into prayer because here's what I'd say to you, Peace Church. God is doing an incredible work at peace right now. Do you believe that? If, if you are new or relatively new, let me just say you're, you're coming to a church where God is on the move. And, and very soon, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the big vision that we have for 2023. But before I even want to talk about that, I want us to be a church that is neck deep, head deep, sunken into prayer. So we can ready our hearts for the big things that we believe God's going to lead us to in this coming year. But we need to be on our knees in prayer because I believe that God is growing this church. And I don't believe God wants to just grow us wider. He wants to grow us deeper. And that's not going to happen without prayer. So I'm hoping, actually scratch that, I am planning, I am planning on bringing all of us out of our comfort zone. And don't worry, it includes me and I'll go first. This campaign is called Offensive Prayer. Not just because we live in a culture that's literally offended by everything, but offensive, meaning offensive not just defensive or reactive, but prayer will be the driving force in our lives as we are proactive in this discipline. And so we're going to build our prayer campaign around a very basic but biblical structure. See, when the, when the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? Jesus taught them, it's called the Lord's Prayer. Taught them the Lord's Prayer. Now, here's the thing about the Lord's Prayer. It's beautiful. It's concise, but it's not necessarily a script. It's a framework for how to pray. It, it, it gives us some themes as we engage 
prayer, namely adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, often put into the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Other traditions, and we will use this term when we get to it, other terms for supplication could be petition or intercession. But we'll get all, we'll get all to that throughout this series. And through this series, those are the, our themes. Again, as we cap it off on Thanksgiving Eve with prayers of thanksgiving for what God has done in our lives and through this campaign. So today, we're going to talk about prayers of adoration. Prayers of adoration. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 29. If you're using the Bibles we provided, glad that you do. That's on page 585. Otherwise, in your Bibles, Psalm 29. As you're turning there, hopefully you grabbed a prayer playbook as you walked in. We're going to be using those during our services. So prayers of adoration. I've, I've, I believe that, again, we are, we are a non-denominational church, but we have Reformed roots. We're Reformed in our theology. And I believe that, you know, from that tradition, the, the, the idea of adoring God or prayers of adoration isn't common language for us. It's not part of our liturgical vernacular. Because I think when we hear the word adore or adoration, we think about holding a cute little baby and adoring that baby rather than adoring the God who created the heavens and the earth. We're going to talk about that today, and I hope to introduce this as language you will continue to use as you think about your faith and you think about prayer. Prayers of adoration. To adore God is to lift up truths to him about who he is, what he's done, and how good he is. It's to sit and to express your admiration and your affection for him. Let me ask you real quickly. You're here in this room in one of our venues online. You don't, I'm not asking you to ask, uh, answer this out loud, just in your own heart. For those of you who are a professing Christian, when was the last time you just sat in prayer and adored God? When was the last time you just sat there and reflected on how wonderful he is? When was the last time you've done that? Or maybe I should be asking, have you ever done that? If you haven't, my friends, you're in for a treat. Because if we don't bring adoration into our prayers, we're not experiencing the fullness of prayer. And we're never going to grow closer to God if we don't reflect on the beauty of who he is and the wonder of what he's done. And so we are going to pray prayers of adoration today, not because he needs us to, but because God is worthy of it. So let's see how King David does this. Let's see what he shows us. Psalm 29. Would you hear the word of the Lord? A Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. 
The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is God's word. Let's pray and go on the offense. Let's pray. Father God in heaven above, as David described and as we will try to learn today, you are good and you are a God of glory and strength. You are holy and you are wonderful. And we want our prayers today to be couched in these truths. We pray, Lord, that you would be present with us today as we learn about ascribing to you your due honor and glory as we sit in your presence and adore you. By the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, would you lead and guide our prayers, guide the preaching of your word today that I may say only what is acceptable before you, that we may have hearts and minds ready to hear and receive and respond to the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And everyone said, amen and amen. So a few years back, I was at a pastor's conference. And the speaker at this conference said something that I thought was just such an incredible challenge. I love a good challenge. I don't love snarky comments trying to make a point, but I do love a good challenge. And this challenge that he brought hit me hard. Now, reminder, he's speaking to an auditorium full of pastors. And he said this. He said, during the church service... Do you spend more time in announcements than you do in prayer? If so, you're not doing church right. That was a challenge I took to heart. And so I always want to make sure that our services are laced in prayer. During our church services, hopefully you've picked up that our our worship leader will pray during the service. We have a pastor lead us in a congregational prayer in the middle of the service, as Pastor John did today. The standard at Peace Church is that whoever's preaching, we will, we will have prayer at the beginning of the sermon, and we'll have prayer to close up our sermon. We're going to lace our services in prayer. But I'm going to confess something to you right now. That while we try to lace our services in prayer, for a long time, I've operated in this, in this mode that I don't want any one of our prayers to go too long because I'm, I'm afraid that people will check out, if not fall asleep. And I wonder, I wonder how much of a disservice that's been to the church service by operating in that mode. So here's what I'm going to say to you, Peace Church. We are not going to operate in fear like that anymore. We are not going to be bound to the most tired person in the room. We will never mobilize this church for action if we try to keep comfortable those who are the least engaged. First service said amen to that, so I'm just going to say amen. Thank you. Peace Church, God in his infinite mercy and wisdom for reasons I can't even begin to understand, he continues to grow this church. So many people wanted to come and join us for church and we said, hey, you you can. We just got to go into this other room. So thank you, those in the chapel and those in the venue. God continued to grow this church, but I I said it before, I'm going to say it again. He 
He does not want to just grow our church wider. He wants to grow it deeper. I have no interest in being the lead pastor of a large, comfortable church. I do want to be a part of a church that's large and mobilized for action. Because that is powerful. And we can see God do powerful things through a church like that. But God continues to grow this church every single day. In fact, for as long as we've been keeping records, since around the COVID time, we have not gone a single Sunday without a brand new person visiting this church. I talk to pastors who don't have a new visitor in years. And every single Sunday, God's bringing new people. Now, clearly not all of them stay. God leads other people elsewhere. But God is growing this church, and we need to be asking for what? Why? Let me give you a few reasons. It's to bring God glory when this world wants to bring glory to itself. It's to bring light to this world when the world wants darkness. It's to see families restored when the world wants to keep them broken. It's to lift up the name of Jesus to a world that wants to reject him. And it's to see people through the power of Jesus come into relationship with God when we don't even know how to be in community with one another. The vision of Peace Church is to see the gospel embraced and passed on for generations of kingdom impact. To see the gospel embraced and passed on for generations of kingdom impact. But we won't see the gospel embraced, we won't see it passed on for generations, and we won't see the kingdom impact we want if we do not get on our knees every single day in prayer. If you're part of this Peace Church family, praise God. Join us in prayer. The part of prayer that I want to talk about today is this part of prayer where we love God by telling him why. We're telling him about who he is and what he's done. So let's just pick up a few things from Psalm 29 here today. If you like an outline, here's the outline for for you today. Praying includes adoring God for one, his personal attributes— two, his powerful actions, and three, his peaceful authority. Point number one, prayer includes adoring God for his personal attributes. In a world of so much sarcasm and cynicism and dissension, let's just take a few moments. Aren't you longing for this? Just to focus on something good and right and pure and holy and wholesome. Don't you want that? That's what I want. Let's go back and read these words again. Let's, let's savor them. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord. This means to give or to render. Adoration is about giving God what is his. Ascribe to the Lord. Don't move past this. O heavenly beings. We're not just talking about earthly creatures or finite humans, but we're also including the eternal beings of heaven as we join with them, as we sit and adore the God who is over the heavens and the earth. When we worship and when we pray, we join in the chorus of heaven of praises and prayers being lifted to God. My fellow friends who are of the Reformed faith and pure doctrine, I know it's hard for us, but think about this spiritually for a moment. Think about what is happening spiritually for a moment when we pray and when we praise Prayer and worship is something that transcends the barriers of space and time. And don't we need a little more transcendence in our lives? Do we? We do. 
because I think a lot of us this week, we're, we're approaching this week with a lot of fear because, because we think that all of history hinges upon this next election. Here's what I say to you because I'm saying it to myself. Calm yourselves. Calm yourselves. Do your part. Take action. And then trust God. His perspective is always a little bigger than ours anyway. Which is why we should always keep a heavenly perspective. That's one of the ways that we have distinction from this world. We bring a heavenly perspective. I love this. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Meaning his majesty and his ability. There is nothing more glorious or more powerful than God. And we adore God by simply honoring him with these truths from our hearts. I ask you again, have you ever just sat and adored God? It's not a weak thing to do. It's an offensive thing to do. It's beautiful. And I love this next line here. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Or as the old King James says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. See, church, I think that uh, we too often view holiness as this like rigid, stingy, pale, joyless state. And it's like, no. Holiness is where there is true life. Holiness is where there is joy, where, there's, where, there's, where, it's, it, where things are as they should be. Holiness is set apart from this world. We should all strive for holiness. And holiness is where that joy and peace are in our prayers. It's where beauty is, where splendor is. And when we worship God, we are doing what we are designed to do rightly, responding to the one who has made us. Glory. God is glorious, mighty, holy, and we adore him when we ascribe these things to him in our affection towards him. Prayer is adoring God for his personal attributes. Prayer is also adoring God for his powerful actions. If you look at verses 3 to 9 here in your Bibles, there's a lot going on here. This phrase, the voice of the Lord, is mentioned seven times, all describing the powerful actions that God's voice brings. Now, if you read your Psalm 29 here, you're going to hear David talk about Lebanon, Syrian, and Kadesh. Here's the thing. I'm not going to give you a geography lesson right now, but these were all places that surrounded Judea where David was. So it's like David is saying that God's glory and majesty is reaching all around them and even far beyond. Whether over the vast oceans, over the strong, majestic cedar trees of Lebanon, over the great storms of the sky, over the raging fires or the endless wilderness, God's voice is stronger There is no scenery, scene, or moment in your life where God's voice is not just powerful, but appropriate. And so, church, this is why we need the Word of God. Not just on our phones, but in our hearts. I'm going to pull you out of your comfort zone in a few moments, not right now. So I'm going to ask you a question. Just answer it in your own heart. How many verses of the Bible you got memorized, Christians? I mean, 31,000 to choose from, how many do you have memorized? Now listen here, I'm not prone to memorizing scripture. I'm not good at it. It's a a labor for me. I'm not strong at it. It's hard for me. I don't have major swaths memorized like a lot of my fellow pastors do. But I want to know God's word and I want to dive into it. And if you don't have any verses memorized, there's your challenge for this week. Memorize a few verses. And if you need a suggestion, here's a great one. Psalm 29, verse 9. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and all in the temple cry glory. 
This verse shows us God's dominion over creation. His voice can produce life or desolation. Did you catch that? God's voice is both tough and tender, tender enough to see a deer give birth and tough enough to bring a forest to ash. Do you know what that means for you? Do you know what that means for you? That means that God's voice is tender enough to speak to you in the darkest moments of your life, but it's also tough enough to challenge you when you need it. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and all in his temple cry, what's this word? Let's all say it together. Glory. Glory. With God's word hidden in our hearts, remember that adoring God is adoring him for his powerful actions. Prayer also includes adoring God for his peaceful authority. Verse 10, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. God is the king on the throne, no matter who is elected to office. God sits enthroned in heaven. Let that sink in. No matter who is elected to office, God sits enthroned in heaven. How can we question if God is still in charge if we worry about who loses the election? How, when, when, when we who believe God is enthroned over the flood, how can we ever doubt? By the word there, the Hebrew word for flood is not ambivalent. It's directly speaking about Noah's flood. God sat on his throne during the flood. He didn't sit there wondering, why is this happening? God sat in providence over the flood. Because sometimes God allows a reckoning for people who choose wrongly. One of, the sin, one of the scariest things about faith in God is that sometimes God allows us to have the fruit of our own bad choices. That's terrifying. If this nation wants to elect godless politicians, then that's what we are going to get. But this doesn't take away from God being enthroned forever. God's presence and his authority, yes, comes with judgment as in the flood, but justice is always about ushering in peace. That's the end game, is peace. Ultimately, God may pave the way through justice, but it's to achieve peace. And that's what God's presence brings to our lives, is peace. Verse 11 says, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So may you be strengthened by our strong God. May you have peace the only way we can have it, which is through his son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ, listen to me, if you don't know this, let me learn you something. Jesus gave his life on the cross, not only so that our sins would be paid for, but that we would also have eternal life. Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we could have peace with God. See, sin, sin is this barrier. It's this static between us and God. It keeps us in a place of God's wrath and God's judgment. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took that sin, that sh- he took the punishment for that sin that should have been ours. He took that, thereby removing the barrier between us and God so that we could have restoration, reconciliation, and peace with God. If you don't have Jesus, then you don't have that with God. 
You still stand in judgment for your sins. But if you believe in Jesus, then that means Jesus has taken your sin and thereby removed that barrier so that you can claim these promises and have peace in your life, knowing that no matter what happens, you have a relationship with God through his son. For Jesus, through Jesus, our relationship with God has been restored so that we can approach the throne not with fear of judgment, but of righteousness because we are covered in Jesus' righteousness, thereby being able to sit at the throne of God and give him praises of adoration. Christian, I ask you, have you ever sat sat and adored God? If you haven't, you're missing out. And if you haven't, we're going to do that here today. And hopefully this is the first step of deepening a relationship with God that you never even thought fathomable. So here's what you need to know. Prayers of adoration are prayers on the offense. We're not talking about a cute little googling a baby. We're talking about sitting and adoring the creator God who sits enthroned in heaven. Prayers of adoration are prayers on the offense. Prayers of adoration, hear me this, it is the swinging of a sword against the pride of this world and ourselves. The world loves to glorify itself. People on social media post about themselves. And these are all ways that the devil is distracting us from growing closer to God. Hands raised in adoration to God are palms slapping the face of the devil. Some of you need to go on the offense. Some of you, 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 you sit and you take the attacks of the devil. Stop playing defense. I know they like to say defense wins games. Offense wins games. Go on the offense with your prayers. Pray and adore God. Church, here's what's going to happen. We're going to do this now. We're going to pray prayers of adoration. We are going to pray. No, no, no. You're not going to listen to me pray. You do enough of that. You are going to pray. So here's what's going to happen. Let me just kind of give some guidelines here. I want more for you. I know you want more for you. So we're going to challenge ourselves out of our comfort zones because that's where we can have more. So here's your instructions. A, you can either get into groups and pray, which is what I hope the vast majority of us do, or you can pray by yourself. But again, let me say a few things. If you get into groups, then among your group, pray prayers of adoration. Lift up prayers of adoring God, for his personal attributes, his powerful actions, and his peaceful authority. And if you don't know exactly how to do that, well, in your prayer playbook, which hopefully you all have, just read through Psalm 29. It's right there for you. If you are like, whoa, I'm not ready for anything close to this, and you just want to pray by yourself, here's what I'd say. Still pray. If you want to do it by yourself, then here's what I'm going to ask you to do to stay engaged. I want you to write out a prayer. We've got space in the book. Write out a prayer of adoration to God. And for those of you, let me just say this, I say this in love and in all due respect. For those of you who have expressed to me that you have the gift of tongues, I'm just going to ask respectfully right now that you just use good old-fashioned English. If you are nervous about this time, here's what I'd say. You're about to grow. So it's okay to be nervous because we are about to grow. Over in the chapel, you're joining with us in spirit. In the venue, you're joining with us in spirit. Those online, if you're in a group, get together. We're going to spend time praying. And listen to me. If this is completely new to you, let me give you just a simple prayer. Father God, you are good. You are great. Amen. 
If that is your first step, then take it. And that's exciting. Let's go ahead. Right now, you can get into groups or open up your playbook and write out a prayer. Either way, we are together all going to join with the chorus of heaven as we make hell tremble. Go on the offense. Maybe like just another 15, 30 seconds if you guys can wrap up your prayers. Man, I hate to interrupt something really good, but I 
I had a couple come up to me, not during this service, but and uh, with tears in their eyes because they said that was the first time they'd ever prayed together. And that's, that's why we're doing this series because uh, we're not about keeping comfortable people comfortable. We're about mobilizing the church to see something good happen in this world and it's going to happen starting with us on our knees in prayer. And so, would you pray with me right now as we prepare our hearts for worship? Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we sit and we adore you. And Lord, if that is all we do right here and right now, then that is time well spent. Father, we pray because you are majestic, you are good, you are worthy. Father, I pray that the people in this room, for those who don't know about adoration, who haven't ever sit and just adored you, Father, I pray that this is a beautiful taste to them and something that they only want more and more of here on out. Father, we do adore you because great, great are you, Lord, and you are doing a great work among us and among this church, Lord. So as we, in a moment, stand and sing, Father, I pray that your spirit would fill us now, that we would sing prayers, we'd sing praises, we'd sing of adoration because you are great. So Father, let our voices reach from heaven to hell as we sing in the power of the Spirit that great are you, Lord. We pray these things because we are praying on the, on the offense. And you are good and you are glorious. And we pray these things in the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Church, let's...